And good morning. It's good to see you today. Always, always good to be here. Have some special guests with us today. If you're here, that makes you special. So thank you for being with us today. God is good. You may have heard of the two guys that were fishing in a boat. It must have been a Sunday morning because one of them was a little convicted in their spirit. He said to his buddy, he said, you know, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves out here fishing on a Sunday morning. He said, you know, we ought to be in church. His buddy looked at him and simply said, I don't feel that bad. He said, my wife was sick this morning and I couldn't have gone to church anyway. (laughs) Halfway back to Colorado. Whoo, man, that was good. Okay, maybe I'll try this one. A little girl asked her neighbor, our new neighbor actually, a little girl, and she asked her, says, do you guys go to church? And she said, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We are Methodist. Oh, Methodist. She said, yes. She said, I go every Sunday with my mom to church. She says, doesn't your dad go to church with you on Sundays? No, he doesn't. Well, isn't he a Methodist? She said, I'm not really sure. My mother said that he's a Seventh-day absentist. We are glad that you are not absent today. I am certainly glad that you're not absent today. Let's read from God's Word this morning. It is says, this is the Word of, that God says, the God who builds the road right through the ocean, who cars pass through the pounding waves, the God who summons horses and chariots and armies. They lie down and they can't get up. They're snuffed out like so many candles. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? Now, when I read that verse, um, I've read it several times, but I like this translation. And it's a powerful one. And, of course, it's not trying to take it out of context there, but certainly for all of us, I'm about to do a brand new thing. Who would like to have a brand new thing from God? Something that is just exciting. A brand new thing perhaps in your walk with Him. A brand new thing in your marriage. A brand new thing in your finances. A brand new thing in your, your family or your workplace. Or even in your spiritual walk. A brand new thing. Does that sound exciting? Anybody like anything that's brand new? We like new things, don't we? We like the new car smell. I like that. I don't like the new car payment, but I like the new car smell, right? So we like things that are new, a new shiny ring for the wife at at an anniversary or something like that. There's certain things that we really like and we can't wait to get, if you will, and there's a brand new thing. And these brand new things in our life are exciting and they can be. But how are we going to see this brand new thing that he talks about there? How are we going to see that in our lives? Because some of you uh, would say, well, I've been waiting on that brand new husband for a long time. <laughs> brand new thing. Well, I'm not going to talk about husbands and wives today, but I would say that there, God can do wonderful things with the one you have. That's right. God can take those old things and make them as though they are brand new. Give me an amen. amen. After all, he worked on you. Amen. Okay, got three amens. The rest of us are figuring that one out. 
the rest of you are still trying to figure that first joke out or something. I don't know. Well, he gives us a clue on how to receive that or how to do that in our lives. And he gives that by the, the sentence just before he makes that statement. And that sentence is there. Of course, it says, be alert and be present. And that's really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about those two things in our spiritual walk with God. Because if you're not alert and you're not present, you're going to miss out. Please understand that. You will not grow spiritually unless you are alert and present in God. Someone could say, well, let's say amen. Let's go home and and have lunch. No, we can't do it that quick. All right. So first to be alert, if you will. Now, teachers are going to tell their students as we get back to school. Some of you are in and some not. Thanks, Dan, for that prayer this morning. We always pray for our teachers and our students, of course, and, um, and, and the parents. And in that process, though, we, we, as we do, the p- teachers are going to be telling their students over the next several weeks, probably throughout the whole year, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Any teachers ever say that? Never. Uh, anybody? All right, very good. Um, it's either pay attention, shut up, pay attention, shut up. (laughs) But that means be alert, be alert, be alert. Remember, I always told you, my mom said, pay attention today, son, you might learn something. And it's important for us to, so we have to be alert. Being alert is what? Being clear. It's mean seeing things or hearing things clearly, noticing things that are around you. It means that you're not blinded by just a certain thing, that you're, you're noticing things. Your eyes wide open, we might use those. Being watchful, it's being prepared, it's being an act observant or as though I'm really here. And I'm really thinking about what's going on. Now, the opposite of that, of course, is asleep. It's being lackadaisical, or it's just being kind of lazy, or it's kind of like, whatever, and we just kind of go through. Now, we, like most, I suppose, we, don't, we, we are alert when two things, normally, when two things come along in our lives or are happening in our lives. When something good is coming our way, we're alert. If you know something is good coming down the pike, you're alert. You're ready for it. Checks in the mail. I'm alert, I'm ready for it. The bills in the mail, not so interesting, right? So we're alert at certain things, and then in that process, we're also alert another time when not only when something is told it's coming our way, but also it is when we're scared or afraid or afraid of something. Could be at dark, could be at night in the dark. I don't like dark by myself, just to be tell you the truth, I, I just don't like it. I, I, just, I like it when Donna's around to protect me. And, and, and um, I think that's important to have a good wife that carries a big baseball bat. And um, I say, honey, go check that out. She just goes right in there and checks that out. Because she loves me. That's right. <laughs> okay, but anyway, I was, what I'm saying is... In that process, we, we are like that sometimes because we're alert when something, if, you're, if it's dark and, and you're all by yourself and there's a funny noise, what do you do? Whoa, what was that? Who was that? What was going on? So you're alert. There's times when we're alert in our lives and we should be in our lives. But it's the between times. It's the, the time of this and the time of that. It's the kind of in between that we really get hung up. Even in our spiritual lives, we can have a problem with it. 
we're alert for a while, and then we kind of, you know, things are going kind of smooth, and, and everything's all right, and then before you know it, you know, things get, get out of kilter. Something happens in our lives, and we automatically, oh, well, we should get back to church. It's an indicator. Some people just, you don't see them for a season. And then you start seeing them. And normally in that case, something's kind of got their attention. Something's called them. Something's moved them. It's just not that they woke up one Sunday morning and everything's going great. I think I ought to go back to church. No, it's usually something, a phone call from a doctor. Or maybe a little rocking in the marriage. Or the children are just not, whatever it happens to be, comes along. There was a an army officer here actually at Fort Sill that tells about that, how we are in our lives. And the, the story's told of this officer. He says in 1958 through 1958 through 1960, the attitude at Fort Sill in the training units was very lax. He said the instructors had the hardest time of trying to get their students to pay, the soldiers, to pay attention. They did everything they could, but it's just like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Give me my badge, I'm on my way. But what was interesting, he said, between 1965 and 1967, the class there, things changed totally. Same lectures, even some of the same instructors. But everything was interesting. It's up front. Students paid attention. They were alert right on their edge, ask all kinds of questions. They were alert. What was the difference in the class of 65? What was different is because they knew within six weeks they would be in Vietnam in war. Alert. Pay attention. First Peter chapter 5, the scripture tells us plainly, be alert and sober-minded. When he talks about sober-minded, it means don't fill yourself up with so much other stuff that you miss what God wants you to have in your life. You get that fogginess in your life, even in your Christian walk, and then that's where our spiritual weakness comes in instead of our strength. So he says, be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Scripture is very clear as what's going on in our world today. If you don't believe that, your enemy is out there. If you don't believe there is one out there, you are setting yourself up you're setting yourself up for a great fall or a prime target of this one that God is trying to warn us about. He's saying, stay alert. Stay awake in this. Notice the scripture here uses the, uh, the, the, the reference of to a lion, like a roaring lion in this process. A lion doesn't send out an announcement to the sheep. Hey, I'm going to be in town next week. Lay down, take a nap. It'll all be over pretty quick. No. You know what he does? He, he's quiet, or I should say she's quiet because the males are over here roaring. But they're quiet and they wait and they pounce and they stalk and at the right moment they strike. That's what he's trying to tell us about Satan. And that's why it is important for us to stay alert in our spiritual lives, our spiritual walk with him for that reason. Scripture also tells us that Jesus is coming again and we ought to be ready. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Now, the problem with that making that statement, I heard that all my life. I was raised in the church. Jesus is coming soon. Anybody hear that? We even have a song. Jesus is coming soon. Morning or night or noon. Kyle, go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. But in that process, you know that he's coming soon? You say, well, wait, man, it's been 2,000 plus years. He had come yet. Dude, what's the problem? I don't think he is coming back. 
Well, here's the struggle with that that people have because he hasn't come. And when someone says that, the minister, or you read that in Scripture, you're thinking like, well, he's not coming on my watch. He's not coming during my lifetime, maybe my great-great-great-grandchildren's time. So he's taking a long time. Listen to me. Time, that's the key. That's the problem we have. You see, God is an eternal God. There is no time. Time's not, God's not structured by time. He's eternal. So if you're not structured by time, and there is no such thing as time that runs you, how long is 2,000 years? It's nothing. I want to assure you today that Jesus is coming again. It tells us that in Mark chapter 13, that he is actually coming. The hour no one knows, even Jesus himself doesn't know. Imagine that. Only God the Father knows. But someday he's going to say, Jesus, go get your bride. Be alert. He tells us here, be alert. And the last thing he says in verse 37 is, watch. Stand your watch. Means be ready. Be alert in all of those things. It's important for you. Now, how do you stay alert? Well, you stay alert in different ways. It can be, well, if you're driving a car, say, late at night, you might try an energy drink. You might turn up your radio or roll down your window. Anybody ever try those? I have all three. They kind of work, don't they? They kind of work. Our daughter, um, when she first moved to Missouri many years ago now, when she first moved there, she worked at at the mall, one of the large malls there in St. Louis. So she had about an hour drive home. Every night when she'd get off. Well, you know, the mall stays open pretty late, and so maybe be 10, 30, 11 o'clock before she left, and so she has that hour drive. She would call me sometimes. She'd say, I just wanted to call and talk, Dad. I knew exactly what that meant. Sometimes what she would do is we would just talk and talk and talk. My, my daughter's a talker. I, I think she got that from Donna. I'm not sure. But she'd just talk and talk and talk and talk. And sometimes, you know what she would say? And I love to hear it. Well, you talked me all the way home. Ah, meaning goodbye, Dad, right? (laughs) It means that she did that process. So what am I saying there is that if you're in that time to stay alert, I would encourage you to talk with God. The scripture is very clear in Colossians chapter 4. It tells us there, it says, devote yourself to prayer. Are you devoted to prayer or do you just fit it in? There's a difference, by the way. Are you devoted to prayer or do you just fit it in? Well, supper time, in Jesus' name, thank you for this food. Amen. There's a difference, isn't there? It's a time that's devoted to talk with God. It's important in our lives. Um, Keep an alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Many times throughout Scripture, it tells us about prayer and it connects it with thanksgiving. How we're to pray with thanksgiving in our heart, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving in the process. You see, a, a, a thanks is the blanket that wraps itself around our prayers. It's something that's special. Remember, several years ago, I gave you that lesson on prayer and we talked about thanking God, just thanking God, just thanking God. Anybody remember that? I said, thank God 100 times. Just give it a shot. And I gave the challenge out. And it was that you don't have to say out loud, I want to thank you for my wife. I want to thank you for my husband. I want to thank you for my children. I want to thank you for this. But you think it. And just as you think it, say thank you. Say one. Thank you. Say two. Say thank you. Say three. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you. 
Thank you for my arm. Thank you for my elbow. Elbow. Thank you for my wrist. Thank you for my fingers. Thank you for toenails and fingernails. Thank you for eyes that can see, knees that can move. I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Number 29, thank you for my feet. Thank you for my ankles. 32, go on and on until you get to 100. Some of you took me up on that. Because what happens when you do that, try it sometime. New challenge for you. Try it sometime and see what happens. See if you can make it to 100. One person I remember coming up to me uh, the following week or so and simply said, you know, I tried that and it's really amazing how many thank yous you can get out. She told me, she said, I'm over, I was over 300 and I fell fast asleep. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So instead of counting sheep or watching a rerun of Seinfeld, why don't you just say, thank you, God, number one. Thank you, God, for God. I just want to thank you for being God. See, you can never run out of thank yous to God. Try it. You can't do it. When's the last time you prayed for your gallbladder? My secretary's having problems with her gallbladder, going to have to have it removed. I guarantee she's been praying for it. And she's asking everybody to pray for her. Do you see it? That's how it works. So why not thank him if you have a gallbladder that works fine? Why don't you take time to thank him for the gallbladder that seems to be working fine? Because I know there's a lot of people out there tomorrow that are going to go in and have surgery and have their gallbladder removed. God is a good God. Give me an amen. Amen. Man, that's a sermon in itself. But here we go. Prayer equips the believer with spiritual vision. Do you know that? It gives us something the world doesn't have. It's fuel for our spirits. It's ammunition so that we can defeat Satan. It's important. A vision means to have a spiritual eyesight. To be able to see with the eyes of the heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. So I was saying that. Open the eyes of my heart. Why? Because what I see in my heart is not a physical thing. It is a spiritual thing. Why is that important? Because there is no vision The people perish. Scripture is very clear on that. What's the opposite of that? What's the opposite? If you have vision, you live. How do you live? How do you get this vision? One way is through prayer. Give me an amen. Amen. All throughout Scripture, all throughout history, and mark it up in your family or yourself or anyone else that you might know, but all throughout Scripture, all throughout history, the fall of God's people came because they had lost their vision our vision is to be Christ keep your eyes focused on the author and the perfecter of our faith when it's moved from that it can only go one direction it goes away from God it goes toward the enemy when it goes toward the enemy we're weakened we're not strengthened be alert of the devil's schemes Ephesians chapter 6 Bob's just getting into that in his class on Sunday mornings. But it's powerful there. It talks about that. It says put on the full armor of God and all these things. Why do you put on the full armor of God? I won't spend time there today. I could. But the reason why you put on the full armor of God. So that you can stand up. Notice that you can stand up the spiritual forces of the devil in the heavenly realms. But also in your daily walk. It is these schemes that he has in our lives that he wants to defeat us. So stay alert in your spiritual life and you will begin to see a brand new thing that God is trying to show you I believe that stay alert notice 
think God's working in this. Tell your friends, tell your family. Tell someone that's a believer as well. Man, I think God's really working in this. This is what I'm seeing in this. Not just what I'm feeling. Feelings are important. And I think we lost a lot of feeling in the church. But I want to tell you, you can see what God wants you to see if you pray for what God wants you to see. You've got to be alert. You've got to be alert. Now, another way that we can miss out in all of this or miss out in seeing this brand new thing that God says that He wants for our lives is not being present. It's just not being there. Did you know that? Um, Oprah Winfrey, um, years ago, in her audience, and she has a large audience, of course, of people that were there, she gave brand new cars to every single person that was in the audience. Every, everybody there received a brand new car. Did you get yours? <laughs> I didn't either. You know why? Because you weren't there. Now, I tried my best to get the elders to give us all brand new cars. <laughs> but it just didn't work. Maybe next year. Put it in a budget. It's good. But you see, you have to be present. Present Being present means what? It means uh, 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 I'm in attendance. It means the teacher reads your name. Susie Smith, here... John Jones, here, I'm present. There's something about being present. That means if you're there, you can receive something. If you're not there, the teacher has to make that up or have to give you some homework to make that up in your life. So if you're present, I got the information that I need. So some people just miss a whole segment of their life because they're not present. The opposite, of course, is being absent. You heard about the golfer named Jonesy. Jonesy showed up 20 minutes late for this, this teeing off with his buddies. There were three of four of them, of course, and they were getting ready to tee off, and he was at least 20 minutes late, and they were about to tee off without him. But he finally showed up, and when he showed up, he said, I'm sorry, guys, but he said, I agreed with my wife this week that I would flip a coin whether I'd go to church or I could go golfing. And it would be heads I played golf and tails I went to church. And guys, for the life of me, he said... I had to toss that coin 43 times before it came up heads. He wanted to be present, but he wanted to be present on the course, not in the presence of God. Big difference. Now, some people just choose to be absent. Isn't this true? They just choose in life. Eh, Not going today. Don't feel like it. Not going to do it. And some people feel that way about church. It is run in our systems, and it runs continually, and it seems to be more so, and I'm not really sure why. be multiple reasons, people looking for entertainment rather than the Word of God. But oftentimes, they just decide that they're not going to go. You remember those devil schemes that we talked about just a few moments ago? One of the greatest, it's terrible, but it's one of the greatest schemes that he uses, is get you to believe, or people, believers, to believe that worship is not that important. Sundays, come on. Sunday's really the only day I have off. I work five days a week. On Sunday, I have to work around the house to get everything caught up. What does he expect of me? Worship? Church? 
Can I do that from home? Can I do that from another place? Can you worship God? Certainly you can. We should worship in Him all we do. But there's a reason why God says, come together in my house. There's a purpose behind it. God doesn't just say it because He wants to make us count our attendance. There's a reason for that. It gives us strength. William Gladstone said this years ago. Listen to this. This this is powerful. I don't put it together, but it's great. William Gladstone said these words of England. Once said, tell me what the young men of England are doing on Sunday, and I will tell you the future of England. Does anybody know about what's going on in that part of the world? Spiritually? Just Google it. You'll find out real quick. It's in a mess. Real bad. So that makes you think about America. Could we change that a little bit? And could we say, tell me what the young men in America are doing on Sunday and I will tell you the future of America. Mm-hmm. Billy Graham said this. you got to love him. He said, Jesus spoke about the ox in the ditch on the Sabbath. You remember that, don't you? Oh, I can't do it. He said, hey, if your ox is in the ditch, aren't you going to pull it out on the Sabbath? Well, yeah. Makes sense, doesn't it? Sure it does. This is what Billy Graham said to that. He simply said, but if your ox gets in the ditch every Sunday, you should either get rid of the ox or fill in the ditch. That's right. Amen. Because we can come up with all kinds of excuses. Theirs was... An ox in the ditch. Well, why don't you go another way or something? Question. If you were going through something really difficult in your life, uh, something, uh, whatever that something might be, and you call out to God, would you like to hear from Him? I'll get back with you later on that. I'm going golfing today with my son. Of course not. But reverse that. Makes you think, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It should. And some may be offended by that and simply say, hm, I don't care. Well, you can be that way if you choose to. Take it up with God. Others think that He only sees them often as they seek Him only. God only sees me when I ask Him to see me. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I'm here at church today, God. Okay, see me. Okay, I'm down here doing this. I don't want you to see me. Just turn on, turn off. Kind of like a superhero. When I call out for him, Lois Lane, Superman's always there. To see a brand new thing in your life that God is doing, you need to be present. If not, you can miss out. It's never that God is not present. It is that we choose not to be present in his presence. Did you catch that? We just choose not to be. Wherever that is. God's not absent. That should... Let me say that again and see if I get any response. God is never absent. That should be an amen and a hallelujah. 
and the reason why I say that is because Scripture tells us plainly in Psalms 139. My wife gave me this Scripture years ago on a card and, and said, you need this. This is, this is good. Where can I go from your spirit? Question. Where can I flee from your presence? Question. For if I go to the heavens, you are there. Answer. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Answer. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. Answer. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. Where can I flee from your presence? Did you know that you can be somewhere and not be present? Someone said, everywhere I go, there I am. Well, yeah. But the truth is you can be somewhere and not present. How do I know that? Because I've dealt with a lot of teenagers. Do you ever talk to somebody? They're there, but they're not there. Some wife's out there doing this to their husband. It's the truth. You can be present, but not present. But not God. Question. Do you want to be present in the presence of the Lord? Do you want to be? Do you really want to be in the presence? In your presence. God, I just want to be where you are. I just want to be in your presence. Do you really want to be in the presence? Present in the presence of the Lord. That's a beautiful place to be. For in it you find peace and comfort, joy, stability, strength, happiness. All those things that you say you desire, that you're chasing in life. If you want to see a brand new thing that he has for you and wants for you the desire, you must desire to be in his presence. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was saying, in my words, he was saying, I am not only alert, I am making myself and my family present because God is there. God is my deliverer, David said. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I want to be present. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today I get to be in the presence of God. Not do I have to go to church. Every day I wake up I can say, I get to be in the presence of God today. And if you know you're in the presence of God, something changes, doesn't it? Sure it does. Sure it does. The right person walks in the room, things change. Attitudes change. Vocabulary changes. Attitudes change. Did you ever see somebody change their attitude real quick when somebody walked in? This happens a lot when people say, I can be around a group of guys that I've never met before, yada, 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 waiting on somebody, and somebody walks up and says, Hey, Arlie, good to see you. Hey, this guy's my pastor. This guy's my preacher. You know what happens? <laughs> hey, I got to go. My wife's calling. Hey, I got to go. 
They change everything. Changes everything. Their vocabulary. Oh, we didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I, I go to church down in South Truman Troy. Well, really? <laughs> well, change that subject over there. You've been around that, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Sure you have. Changes in that process. Being in the presence of the right person can change your life, my friend. Being in the presence of God can change your life. Give me an amen. amen. There's only one reason that I can think of, and I wrote this down. There's only one reason that I could really think of why a Christian would not want to be in the presence of the Lord. What? Sin. Sin. I want God to be around when I'm sinning. I don't want him. Oh, no, no, don't look over here. Click. Whoa. Click. Yeah. And that's why some people don't come to church. They have somehow drifted back into sin. Now, we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. Understand that. That's true. But then some people just drift into sin because that's where they want to go. There's a difference in stepping in it and living in it. That's right. And some people drift. They don't need to, but there's where they get nonetheless. And so then they feel as though I can't come back to church because then I'm a hypocrite. Now I'm really, I've got two things going on here. And it's a struggle. And I'm just being honest with you. It's a struggle with people. They don't want to get there. They don't want to be there. But they've fallen one more time. And they feel that. And then they say, oh, I don't want to be around that. I'm just going to stay over here and everything's going to be okay. So they avoid, start avoiding you, their brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can avoid that. Then I can, And that's why, because of sin. But did you know, and what we need to set the alarm out, it says, did you know that the Lord wants you at that time just as much as any other time? That's how good our God is. He doesn't want you to get cleaned up and then come visit Him. Oh, I just took a bath. Come on in. It's very nice. Good to see you. No, 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 no. Dirt and all. Sin and all. For only in the presence of God can one find forgiveness. So one must come into the presence of God to have the sin removed. God's not afraid of sin. God sent His Son to forgive all sin. Including yours. That's good news. Romans 5 says, But God demonstrated His own love for us in this. What was it? While we were still sinners. Not not the people out there. While we were. This is why you can celebrate when you take the communion. David led for us today as well. Awesome. That's why we can celebrate when we take communion. Because I was a sinner. But now I'm saved by the blood of the Lamb. I get to take this as a reminder. It's the body. It's the blood. It's the sacrifice. It's the, it's the redeeming part that God has given me. But he did all of that while I was a sinner, not when I was dressed up in a three-piece suit and looking nice on a Sunday morning. It was when I was in the mud. Do you want to see a brand new thing I'll end with that God wants to do in you? Come into his presence.
And he will show you what you need. And what we all need, most of all, is forgiveness, isn't it? What makes a Christian a Christian is not perfection. It's forgiveness through Christ. It's forgiveness through Christ. It's forgiveness through Christ. Hallelujah. It's forgiveness through Christ. Forgiveness comes when we seek Him. Do you desire to seek His presence in your life? Just call out to Him. It's a good time to start right now. You're here. You're here. Just tell Him, I'm so thankful for your presence. I'm so thankful that you've touched my spirit today, God. Mm-hmm. That you're moving in me right now. This I don't know what's going on, but it's something. And I'm thankful for your presence, God. And I'm thankful because of what Jesus has done. That I can be called your child. Maybe today you'd like for us to pray with you. We'd love to. Maybe today you have a praise that you just want to shout about. We'd love to hear from you as well. Maybe today is the day that you accept Christ as your Savior. You feel His presence. Something that's been said or a song that was sung. Or just the Spirit moving in the stillness of between things. That moved in your spirit. That says, I feel the presence of God. Don't, don't. Don't wait. Move upon the presence of God and see what He does for you. So maybe today is the day you want to give your life to Christ. Maybe today is the day that you want to be baptized. Maybe today is the day that God wants to do a brand new thing in you. Can you see it? Let's stand and sing. You come right now.